Over the past few weeks, we've been seeing how our work was cursed as a result of Adam's sin. And work which was originally designed to be joyful and, and fruitful became painful toil as a result of Adam and Eve's sin. And, and to this day, even as followers of Jesus, we do experience toil and hardship in our work. How does the gospel enable us to cope with the stress at work? That's really the big idea that we are going to be exploring in today's sermon. Now, now tell me, who hasn't faced stress and hardship at work? All of us face all kinds of stress at work. We've all faced unfair and expectations placed on us at work. We've all faced that. We've all gone through long seasons of being under-recognized or perhaps even unrecognized at work. We have all experienced friction and, and conflict, even conflict with our bosses, colleagues, subordinates. We've all dealt with unreasonable clients. Not everybody is as kind as Eddie. Pay me when you want to. We've all experienced uh, uh, unreasonable clients making unreasonable demands. We've all experienced suppliers or people we depend on for our work being completed, not delivering on time or not delivering efficiently enough. And that jeopardizes our own um, work and our own reputation. We've all also seen projects that we're handling go bad entirely because of our own inadequacies, our own sometimes even lack of adequate competency, carelessness. We've all messed up too, and that adds creates stress too. We've all struggled with having to continue working in a toxic workplace because we are unable to get another job quickly enough. Now, of course, we've all also had a lot of joy and fulfillment and success at our, at our work. But the stress really bothers us, does it not? How do we deal with the stress? Can we just quit our jobs every time we, we, we face a problem at work? No way. That's, that's just not a solution at all. So quite often, we have to stay put and deal with stuff. We have to learn to endure. And that's what the sermon is all about. Endurance. Endurance. Now, there's endurance and there's endurance. There are many different shades of endurance. Now, all of us, every single one of us, without exception, have some level of endurance or the other. Otherwise, we would all be quitting our jobs every, every two months. So the question is not whether or not we have endurance, but the question we're going to be exploring this morning is, is our endurance biblical? Is our endurance biblical? Biblical endurance is very different from the endurance that every single person on this planet Earth has. And that's what we're going to be exploring. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at a passage from the book of Romans. We're going to be reading, uh, looking at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. It's going to come up for us on, on the screen. And I've requested Kia 
to read it out for us. Just check your mic once, Kia, and then you can read it out for us. It's switched on. Just one sec, we'll get it on the mixer. It's Romans. Check. Yeah, it's working. Thank you. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. Go ahead, Kia. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering, check, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if we were enemies, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Amen. This is the word of God. Thank you, Kia. Let's look at verses 3 and 4 again. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. As I read these, as we read these verses, I'm, I'm sure you would appreciate uh, that these verses are very applicable to life in general. But does this passage speak specifically into our work lives? Let me ask you a simple question. Where do you face the most hardship in your life? Where do you experience the most suffering, the most stress in your life? And I guess for many of us, it's, it's our workplace, isn't it? That's the most challenging realm of our, of our lives. And so if this passage talks about what hardship and stress and suffering does to a believer, and if all of us are facing most of our hardship in the workplace, and obviously this passage is very relevant into our work lives. And so with that introduction, I want to draw three things out for us. First, understanding suffering. Second, understanding endurance and growing in endurance. Understanding suffering, understanding endurance, and growing in endurance. Three things. Let's move to the first thing, understanding suffering. The word suffering that's used in this passage uh, comes from the Greek word thlipsis. And a quite literal translation of this Greek word communicates the idea of, of crushing pressure crushing pressure. That's what the word suffering literally means in the original Greek. And so if in our present day modern day vocabulary, if we had to describe eclipses or crushing pressure, what's the one word that we would pick? I think the word stress 
describes the idea of crushing pressure the best. Thlipsis, T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S, Thlipsis means to be under severe stress. And what's extremely interesting about this passage is that it talks about the stress that we experience in the context of the peace we have with God. Let's just quickly look at that passage again. Look at verse 1, how Paul sets this passage up, how he begins this passage. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's talking about the stress we face in the context of the peace we enjoy with God. We have been justified by faith, and so we have peace with God. We are God's children, as Hannah prayed during worship, that we would remember every day. And so Paul, in this passage, labors to build this foundation of the peace we enjoy with God. And then in verse 3, he talks about how suffering produces endurance. Interesting, isn't it? I hope you're, you've seen the tension here. We have peace with God, Paul is assuring us, but we still have suffering and stress in this broken world, especially in our work. So how do we reconcile these two? If we have, if we indeed have peace with God by the blood of Christ Jesus, nothing less, why would a good God allow us to go through stress and suffering? Let me dig deeper into this tension. And I'm going to invite us to see this passage, Romans chapter 5, in the light of another passage we've been looking at in the sermon series. And that is Genesis chapter 3. So as I read Genesis chapter 3, I want you to, in your mind, make connections between Romans chapter 5, the passage that we just read, and Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. This is God punishing Adam and Eve for their original sin. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. Painful toil. I want us to connect painful toil in Genesis 3 with clipses or suffering in Romans 5. The passage when we read in Genesis happened soon after the fall. But we all know and we believe and we celebrate that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he led a perfect and sinless life. He died for our sins and rose again from the dead for our redemption and justification. So if the blood of Jesus has purchased our redemption and has undone the curse of sin, why do we still experience so much stress and suffering at our work? Obviously, one reason is that We've been redeemed, even though we've been redeemed, we still live in a broken world. That's one explanation for the stress and suffering we experience at work and in lives in general. But there's a lot more to this. There are three main differences between the painful toil of Genesis 3 and the suffering or eclipses of Romans chapter 5. Some big differences between these two, even though both are suffering. The painful toil of Genesis 3 is a curse. God cursed Adam and Eve for their sin. 
But the suffering that Romans 5 talks about is a blessing. Because Romans 5 talks about how suffering produces endurance and how endurance produces character and hope. The painful toil of Genesis chapter 3 created a downward spiral. Since the fall, we've seen how human beings have become more and more dark and depraved. Just think about your boss. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But the suffering of Romans chapter 5, it promises to start us off on an upward spiral of personal growth. Suffering producing endurance, enduring endurance producing character and hope. The painful toil of Genesis chapter 3 brought more and more separation from God. But the suffering of Romans chapter 5 is bringing us closer and closer to God. As we saw in the passage. Producing hope and hope does not put us to shame. Because God has filled our hearts with with love by the Holy Spirit. That's suffering. Understanding suffering. The suffering that you and I are experiencing here and now in our work and in our lives is very different from the painful toil that was the curse of sin. That was a curse. The suffering you and I are experiencing is a blessing because it transforms us. That's the first thing I want to draw for us from the passage. Understanding suffering. The second thing I wanted to talk about is understanding endurance. That's the topic of the sermon, endurance. Look at verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Suffering produces endurance. So how exactly does suffering produce endurance? Let's let's continue with the the visual idea of, of crushing pressure that the Greek word philipsis or suffering evokes. Have you ever seen uh, sugarcane juice being made? Right? When the sugarcane goes through that ringer as it's being squeezed, crushing pressure, what comes out? Sweet juice flows out. Or think of the wine press. What happens when you put grapes into a wine press? The sweet juice inside the grapes flow out. So when you put crushing pressure on anything, what's inside is going to come out. And so when a believer, when you and I, when a follower of Jesus, we go through crushing pressure, two things are going to come out. The first thing, and I can assure you, this is the first thing that comes out almost all, all, most of the time. The, when we are crushed, the first thing that comes out is the sin that was already inside of us is going to be exposed. And that's a good thing. Because guess what? We get to see our sin for the first time. If it's not exposed, even we will not be able to be aware of it. And so as we see our sin, as as the suffering brings out the sin that is inside us, hopefully we are drawn to repentance. We run to Christ for forgiveness. Exposed sin is most likely to be expelled. That's the first thing that comes out. But is sin the only thing that comes out when believers face crushing pressure? As believers, is sin the only thing that's inside of us that's going to come out? 
every time we go through crushing pressure? Not at all. God, by his Holy Spirit, he has deposited goodness into us. The very righteousness of Christ was imputed to us the moment we became believers. And the Holy Spirit is infusing the righteousness of Christ into us every single day, minute, and hour. So the winepress of suffering is also bring forth, is going to bring forth the goodness and, 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 and all the wonderful qualities that God, is going to, God has already put inside of us. And we're going to be surprised that we are capable of such endurance, that we are capable of such goodness. So the winepress of suffering brings out both the sin that's inside of us and, and the goodness and the righteousness and the joy and the endurance and the hope that God the Holy Spirit has already put in us the moment we became believers in Christ Jesus. We just learn to discover what is already in us. Suffering produces endurance character and hope and as we go through suffering we discover endurance and character and hope that we never realized we had god does that he brings out goodness in us through the suffering he graciously allows us to endure let me bring this out through and through an illustration which i'm hoping we can all relate to um, I'm sure all of us would have watched uh, uh, wildlife documentaries from Africa. Uh, so let me draw an illustration from wildlife. Gazelles are, are born with speed. They can, they can run at, at 100 kilometers an hour. 97 kilometers an hour is the top speed uh, the average gazelle can clock. When gazelles are born and as they grow older, they play uh, they prance around, they run around a bit, but they never run at the full speed that they are capable of. Do you know when the gazelle really runs at the full speed it's capable of? Yeah? When it's being hunted and chased by a cheetah, the moment a gazelle sees the cheetah pouncing, it breaks into a sprint. And in that moment of stress and suffering, that very baby gazelle actually realizes how fast she can run. As she seeks to flee from the attacking cheetah, much to her own surprise, this gazelle, just from muscle memory, hits 100 kilometers an hour. And so in the life of a gazelle, suffering produces speed. Similarly, in the life of a Jesus follower, suffering produces endurance. Now I can assure you that when the cheetah attacks the gazelle, the Holy Spirit does not come upon the gazelle and endow it with supernatural strength that she can run really fast. That doesn't happen. The gazelle already had that strength. So the gazelle doesn't get any new strength. She just realized the strength she already had in us. Similarly, when we first put our faith in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior, 
God the Holy Spirit deposited in us, each of us, all the spiritual resources we're going to need for the rest of our lives. That's the beauty of Jesus. That's how much he loves us. That's how much God loves his children. The moment we were adopted into his family, we were given all the resources we're going to need to live in a broken world till Christ comes again. And so suffering merely makes us realize and appropriate and experience the endurance, hope, and character that the Holy Spirit has already put in every one of us. Suffering helps us become, suffering helps us actually become who we already are in Christ Jesus. We are already God's children. We already have peace with God. That's how Paul begins the passage. So you're already justified. You already have peace with God. But you need suffering because suffering helps you actually become who you already are. Suffering helps you become who you already are in Christ Jesus. Suffering is not going to crush us. Stress, difficulty, hardship is not going to crush us. Without the, without the cheetah, the gazelle would never have known how far she can run. And without suffering, we can never know the depth of endurance and character and hope that God has already worked into every one of us who's come to faith in Christ Jesus. Do you now realize how necessary suffering is? Without suffering, none of us would have a clue of God's righteousness and endurance that's already been deposited into us. So biblical endurance, biblical endurance is the bringing forth of the gospel resilience that God has already put inside every one of us. Worldly endurance is trying to manufacture it in our own strength. It won't take us very far. That brings us to the third and the last thing I want to draw for us from this passage, growing in endurance. So how can we grow in gospel endurance? How can we realize and appropriate and experience this endurance and character and hope that God has already put inside every one of us? The answer is both simple and it's hard. This passage tells us that we grow in gospel endurance by going, by going through suffering because suffering produces endurance. Let me assure you, this is very easy to articulate. It's very difficult to live out. When, when your boss is being unfair and reasonable, when you're not getting the increments you desire or deserve, and when somebody else is walking away with the praise and credit for your work, and when your career or your business is just not growing, or when your clients are blissfully ignorant of the fact that they do need to pay you at some point of time. Right? Eddie. And, and the, these things are really hard. We can laugh about it now, but we, we, don't, we don't flinch in these moments, do we not? 
So how do we cope with suffering at work? How do we deal with this? You're going to face it on Monday morning. I'm not speaking a prophetic word. <laughs> you're, going to, you're going to face stress and suffering Monday morning. How do we deal with it? How do we cope with it? It all comes down to what you believe about suffering. The key to coping with stress and suffering at work comes down to what you believe about suffering. So the next time you go through a difficult time at work, ask yourself this question. What do you believe about suffering? Do you believe that suffering is the curse that Genesis 3 talks about? Or do you believe that suffering is the blessing that Romans 5 talks about? Do you believe that suffering is bad for you? Or do you believe that God is allowing suffering in your life because it's good for you? Is the suffering the punishment that Genesis 3 talks about? Or is the suffering the sanctification that Romans 5 talks about? What do you believe about your suffering? You see, in the life of a believer, suffering is never meaningless. In the life of a believer, suffering is never pointless or accidental. Suffering is always redemptive in the life of a believer. And I keep saying this, in the life of a believer, suffering itself has been redeemed because Christ suffered in our behalf. We rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. But how can I be sure? How can I be absolutely sure that God's not going to abandon me? How can I be absolutely sure that God's not going to forget me, that God's not forgotten me? How can I be absolutely sure that whatever suffering I'm going through is going to build me and not break me. The answer is right here in this passage in verse 10. What a beautiful verse this is. Let me read it out for us. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled with God to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, Shall we be saved by his life? When we became believers and followers of Jesus, we did not choose him. He chose us. When we came to faith in Jesus, we did not clean up our mess, fix everything, justify ourselves, and, and come to Jesus neat and tidy. No, 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 no. That's not how we were saved. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still enemies of God, Christ reconciled us to God by his death and by his resurrection. While we were enemies, nothing less, sin makes us enemies of God. There's no doubt about that. Sin makes us enemies of God. So while we were in our sin, still as enemies of God, before we repented, Christ died for us and rose again from the dead to reconcile us to God. Now look at the assurance in verse 10. 
While we were still sinners and enemies, Christ died and rose again for us. And now we are no longer enemies, but we are children of God. If Christ did so much for us while we were sinners, can you imagine what, God, what Christ is doing for us now that we are God's children? That's the point verse 10 is making. While we were sinners, God gave his son up for us. Now that we are his children, adopted, unconditionally adopted, how much more is Christ going to do for us? If the incarnated Christ laid down his life for us while we were still sinners, can you imagine what a resurrected and ascended Christ will do for us now as God's children? Memorize this verse. Meditate on its truth. Let it soak into your soul. Preach it over and over and over again. Because this verse and the assurance of this verse has the power to change the color of suffering in your life and mine. The more we, we, we drink of the assurance of this work, Suffering is going to take a very different shade in our lives. We're not going to see it as a curse. We're not going to doubt God. But you're going to see it as a blessing. And you're going to move toward Christ in and through our suffering. So will you trust in the sweetness of Christ, even in the most bitter of struggles at work? Will you trust in the goodness of Christ, even in the most darkest of your suffering at work. And as we learn to love and trust in Christ more and more, the more the way we see suffering is going to change completely. So what are we going to believe about suffering, about the suffering we face at our work? Are we going to believe that it's a curse that Genesis 3 is talking about? Or are we going to believe that it's the blessing Romans 5 talks about. So when we walk into suffering, when we endure, when we face suffering with a Romans 5 mindset, we discover the gospel endurance that God has already deposited into our hearts. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we beg you, Lord. Lord, we, every one of us, Lord, not just in our work, Lord, in our lives, in our marriages, in our singleness, in our parenting, we need endurance, Lord. As we live in a broken world, Lord, and even as sin remains a little bit in us, maybe more than a little bit in us, we need you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we pray, Lord, Spirit of God, Spirit of God, would you come? Holy Spirit, we wait on you. We wait on you, Lord. Would you come? Would you come? Would you fill every one of us? Would you touch every one of us, Lord? And Lord, the next time any one of us faces a crisis at work or in life, give us the grace, Lord, to be like the gazelle, which, which, which discovers the strength God has put in, her, in, put in her. And so, Lord, help us discover the endurance, the character, and the hope that God has already put in us. 
Thank you, Father. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.